Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 8 through 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you fast forward to the book of Revelation, you can also see that God has a specific time for judgment to fall on the world. God has a specific time. Now, we got to understand something here. It doesn't bring God pleasure to bring judgment. God is not the big celestial meanie, can't wait to bring judgment on the world. That's not God. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 145, verse 8, it says, The Lord is gracious. Matter of fact, read it with me. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. God is slow. I like saying that word like that. Slow to anger. God is great. In mercy. You see, here's the principle of God's judgment. God is in no hurry to judge the world. But God will judge the world. There will come a time when judgment must come. There's a gentleman by the name of Eugene Peterson. He's a theologian. And he writes this. After centuries of patient waiting, of putting up with man's arrogance, greed, and murder... God finally puts a halt to the whole horrid business of sin. Surely after all these centuries, it's time to call the perpetrators on the carpet and wipe the condescending smiles off their faces with a once-for-all judgment. That's true. A time. God has a time. God has timing for everything. And God is never, saints, listen to me close, God is never in a hurry. We are always in a hurry. You know what happened the other day? Funny thing happened to me the other day. I'm standing at the microwave and I'm warming up a I don't know, chicken and noodles or something. Y'all know I got upset with that microwave because it wasn't heating up fast enough. I about took a hammer to that thing. I'd open it up. It's like, you know, like 30 seconds. I'm thinking it's supposed to be boiling hot. I open it up and it's still cold. I shut it. I'm like, ah, hurry up. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What did we ever do before we had microwaves? What did we ever do before we had crackberries? I mean, blackberries. What? I mean. <laughs> That's what they call that thing, you know. I actually got one, and somebody told me. I called my, yeah, I got a blackberry. They said, oh, you got a crackberry. I said, what do you mean? They said, man, give it a day or two, you're going to be addicted to that thing. I sleep with my Blackberry. It's the truth. I'm like, 
snuggle up. We're always in a hurry. God is never, ever, underscore, bold, capitalize each letter, never in a hurry. Don't you remember Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert? Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with men. What's that? Timing. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour. Timing. Jesus told us to do business until he comes, Luke 19, 13, timing. Genesis, pardon me, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up, for in due season, timing, you will reap if you what, saints? Faint not. You know it. And we've been praying for wisdom. We've been praying for direction for our church and where to build and God, where do you want us? And Lord, lead us in the contracts and the people that we have to talk to. And all of these things sometimes seem like a slow-moving process, but we have to remember as a church, timing. Amen, saints? Everything in God's time. I have to remind myself. I've got to remind myself that whatever I'm going through, whatever you're going through, God has a set Somebody once said, if he brought you to it, he'll take you through it. What, five people agree with that? I'll say it again in case you were asleep. If he brought you to it, he will take you through it. Timing. Got to wait on God. They that wait on the Lord. Show what? Renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary. They walk and not faint. Timing. I think that's a word probably for most of us at least. God has a time for everything. A set time. Notice in verse 6, God said he would do it the next day. And the next day, all the cattle were dropping dead except in Israel. And Israel said, wow. And Egypt said, whoa. Interesting. Plague Number two, boils, or pardon me, number six, two tonight, but number six, boils, which fall without warning. Look at chapter nine, beginning in verse eight. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. It will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And then they took ashes from the furnace and they stood before Pharaoh. And Moses scattered them toward the heavens. And they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because they had boils. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord, in verse 12, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Stop right there. This plague was against the God, Ihopted. I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Remember, God is judging the gods of Egypt. And this God was the God of, you probably guessed it, medicine. This God was supposed to be the God of healing. 
Now, you want to notice that God told Moses to take handfuls of ashes from the furnace and throw it into the air. And God said to do it in the sight of Pharaoh. Let Pharaoh see it. And when the ashes come down and land on man and beast, boils will break out in sores on their bodies. The word boil is very interesting here in the Hebrew language. It's the same word leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it calls it botch, B-O-T-C-H, botch, which I don't know what that is, but I do know I don't want to get it. (laughs) Amen. So these boils, they break out, and they're oozing sores, eruptions on their bodies. Now listen at this. In Egypt, it was a custom for the priest to sprinkle ashes of a sacrifice over the worshipers as a symbol of blessing. That was a custom. Isn't it very interesting that God says, I'll sprinkle the ashes over the people, but it won't be a blessing. It's going to be a curse. And it's going to cause, you know, God is always taking that which we revere and brings it to nothing. And matter of fact, he may turn it and use it against those who don't know him, don't love him, just to show them that that thing was never any help to you in the beginning. And that's why David said, these idols, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They've got hands, but they can't reach out and touch. They're nothing. They're just Little images of metal and wood and stone, they cannot help you. And God uses the very thing that they revere to turn it against them. What they think is a blessing, God says, is a curse. Now, notice these boils are so bad that even the magicians couldn't stand before Moses. Notice in verse 12, the Bible says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. The Lord hardened the heart. Now, you might remember before we read that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, which meant that Pharaoh had made his own heart stubborn. We talked about this. Or to make his heart dull of hearing. The idea is when God is bringing conviction to Pharaoh, he stiffens his heart against the conviction of God. But you want to notice God says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart here in verse 12. And that literally means to make firm. It means to make stiff. It means that God established and confirmed Pharaoh in the position of his choice. God continued to give Pharaoh grace and mercy. You know God could have wiped out Egypt with just a word. Why are we going through all this? God could have just said, look, it's over, done. I don't need to do, I don't need plagues. Look, if he's a God that can say light be and light was, certainly he can say Egypt not be. In Egypt, not be. He could. He didn't. Why? Because of grace. Because of mercy. God's given him an opportunity. Pharaoh, let my people go. No, I won't. Well, after several times of that, God says, okay, Pharaoh, you want to harden your heart? Then God is going to make stiff or or firm the decision that you've already made. That's why the Bible says when you hear the gospel that you ought to respond to it the day that you hear it. 
That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts as in the days of Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh hardened his heart, and after Pharaoh continued to harden his heart, then God said, okay, Pharaoh, if that's your position, then take your position. And God firms him up in the decision of his choice. God is not in heaven going, Pharaoh, I want you to harden your heart against me. God's not asking him him to repent and then turn around and make his heart hard so he can't repent. That's not God. If y'all awake, say amen. amen. That's not God. That's not God. God's giving him an opportunity to repent. He refuses to, and therefore, God now hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Plague number seven, hail. Verses 13, we'll read it through. Ah, we'll stop at 27. Look at verse 13. Saints, you're there. Say amen. amen. And the Lord said to Pharaoh, or said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, stand before the Pharaoh, and say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that they may know. Here it is, saints. Here's why that they... You know what? Read it with me. That you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. That's why the plagues have come to Egypt. Notice in verse 15. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go, Pharaoh. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field. I love verse 19. Send all... Send now and gather all your livestock, your livestock, and all that you have in the field. For the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock to flee into the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man, on beast, on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod just like God told him toward the heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted, that's lightning, to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. And so there was hail and fire mingled with hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only where God's people were, in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Stop right there. Give me your attention. This seventh plague God was judging the God, Nut. That's his name, Nut, N-U-T. 
who was considered the sky god. Now, God is letting Pharaoh know who's in control. You want to notice in verse 19, again, I told you I love that verse. I think it's very interesting because God is showing Pharaoh grace and mercy. Did you notice in verse 19, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh to tell his people to gather the animals that are still alive from the last plague and bring them in the house because this hail plague is going to be a biggie. And some folks gathered their livestock in homes and some didn't. Now, again, if you fast forward to Revelation chapter 8, during the tribulation, don't you know, there's going to be hail and fire that's going to come down. And as a result, in the end times, during the tribulation, a third of the trees are burned up and all of the green grass is burned up as well. Now, if you, listen, stay close, if you burn all of the grass and all of the trees, what does that affect in the atmosphere? The oxygen. And if the oxygen is affected, then what would that do to you? Cause you to suffocate. So during the tribulation, people are going to be dying if from nothing else, suffocation. Hail coming down. Genesis chapter 19, verse 24. Then the Lord rained hail, brimstone, on Sodom and Gomorrah. So God was bringing the plague on Egypt. He brought hail and fire upon the Egyptians. Now, listen at this. In Egypt, 365 days a year, there was good weather. 360, all year, all day, every day in Egypt, there was good weather. They had no need for a weatherman because there was good weather all the time. Cairo had only two inches of rainfall per year. So parts of the southern Egypt didn't get rain. It never, ever hails in Egypt. Notice verse 18 in your Bibles tells us just that. God is going to cause a hail in Egypt such has not been since the country was founded. It never hailed in Egypt. This was a miracle. And so Moses stretched forth his hand to heaven and thunder, hail, and fire darted. That would be, as I said, lightning. The darting fire is running probably along the ground and destroying anything that is left. And I'm wondering if, because remember, all this was happening in Egypt, in the southern part of Egypt. And in Goshen, where the children of Israel were, they could probably look right across the way and see all this happening. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to, it used to rain on, I think it did it here a few times, it rained on one side of the street. I'm looking, how come it always rains on my side of the street? How come it don't rain on their side of the street? It's raining on one side of the street. Well, here it's raining hail in one part of the country. And in Goshen, they could see, I'm sure maybe the children of Israel, they, they're probably out with picnic baskets. I mean, they're throwing the ball to the boy and the sun's out and it's a beautiful day. And they probably look over and say, man, look at that. They hear the thunder, they hear the lightning, they see the hail coming down. And I got to wonder, because remember now, Moses and Aaron are in the midst of 
what's going on in Egypt and the plagues that is happening. And somehow, we don't hear very much about this, but somehow God protects them as they are, these judgments are coming down. I, I got to wonder, this is reading the white space, okay, work with me. But I got to wonder if when the hail's coming down and the judgments are coming down, Moses and Aaron are just kind of walking right on through it. Like they got like this little bubble around them or something. Like this little shield of protection by the Lord. It doesn't say that the judgments came and Moses and Aaron were able to run for cover. It doesn't say that. So somehow God protected even them in the midst of it. Very, very interesting. So now look at verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. (laughs) You think? The Lord is righteous? That's religious talk. Oh, the Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord, Moses, that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go. And you shall stay no longer. And so Moses said in verse 29 to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Amen, saints. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands toward the Lord. And then the thunder and the hail and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail and the thunder had ceased, notice this, saints, he sinned no more, yet more. And he hardened his heart, he and his servants. And so the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoken by Moses. Notice this here. Pharaoh said, give me your attention. Pharaoh said, I have sinned interesting this time. What? Are we reading the same Bible? (laughs) This time? And notice here, he asked Moses to ask the Lord to make it stop. And you want to notice, look at verse 28. You looking at it? Say, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. No, look, 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 look. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thunderings. Isn't that interesting? The thing that Pharaoh, we learn, the thing that Pharaoh feared most was the thunder. It reminds me of my German shepherd. His name was Zito von Bierstadterhoff. His name means, in German, Zito from the city of beer. Now, I wasn't drinking at the time that I gave him that name. It's a long story, of which I will not tell you about now. But the interesting thing about Zito, he was a beautiful, beautiful dog. He was a beautiful, big, beautiful German shepherd, and and he was a wonderful dog. Actually, we had to uh, leave him with his mom and dad in California when we came here because we didn't know where the Lord was going to lead us, what the Lord was going to do with us. And certainly we don't need a 95-pound German shepherd trying to fill out an apartment complex application to find a place to live. So we left him out in California with his mom and his dad. 
we got him from a breeder, loved Zito. He's a funny dog. And uh, the interesting thing, I remember, I remember this about Zito. When the weather was bad and he would hear the thunder, he would run and get in the bathtub. <laughs> this dog, do you remember that? He would get in the bathtub and I'd go find him. You remember that, honey? He would just... He just didn't, it could rain, hail, I mean, it could be an earthquake. This guy, and out in California, that wasn't a very uncommon thing. An earthquake, no problem. He had no problem. But thunder, that dog was afraid of thunder. He got this 95-pound German Shepherd, and he's afraid of something. You know what I mean? And, and, and he, would, he would go get in the tub, and I'd go fight him, and he's in the tub and, and, and climbing in the tub. He's afraid of thunder. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.